You're listening to SuperPod, the no-filter MSP show presented by SuperOps.ai, where we go behind the scenes with today's top MSP owners and experts and get to know what they are really doing to evolve their business. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the SuperPod, the no-filter MSP show. For those who are hearing about SuperPod for the first time, we are here to discuss the tactics, stories, and strategies on how MSPs are evolving and adapting to today's challenges. I'm Arun Patiban, CEO of SuperOps.ai, and I am your host today. I have a special guest on the show, Todd Kane. He has been in the industry for over a decade. He's a tribe elder in Tech Tribe, and most importantly, he's the host of Evolve Podcast and the president of Evolve Management Consultant Services. Hi, Todd. Welcome to SuperPod. Thanks for having me. It's it's a pleasure to have you here today. All right. So this is the question I usually ask every guest who has been in this podcast, right? So we all saw the pandemic. It's changed our lives. We thought it's going to be there for a couple of months. It's been almost end of the year. And one thing is here to stay. And what do you think will happen? What are the things which you think will stay for? ever and what are the things which will bounce back when the pandemic's over? Yeah, it certainly has created a lot of change in, in people's lives and there's a lot of ups and downs and I don't, know, but I don't know about you, but it feels like time is a very strange thing. It feels like it's been years that we've been in the pandemic and then in certain circumstances, time flies by really fast. So time has just been a really strange thing to quantify, I've found in the last eight or nine months, I guess. As far as what's going to change and, and what bounces back, For me, I think the biggest material change that we'll see that will last is the work from home push. So a lot of people just not necessarily coming back to the office. I talk to a lot of MSPs in the work that I do. And what I've seen for them is initially people were quite keen to come back to the office. But as this has kind of moved on, I've seen a lot of people suggesting that, you know, materially less than 50% of their staff will probably come back to the office. So there are certain people that really want to be in the office or functionally need to be in the office. But I think this is really proven to companies and business owners that the requirement to physically be in the office is a bit of an artifact and has never really been as necessary as people think. So I have this expression that visibility does not equal productivity. And this was born out of sort of my work as a management consultant, talking to managers and owners, and they would say, well, you know, I need my people here. I need to be able to see them in order to make sure that they're, they're staying focused and being busy. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. It was never true when people were in the office, and it's certainly not possible now that people are not in the office. But the strange thing that, that people have found is that productivity has either stayed status quo and in a lot of cases has actually outperformed what would they saw when people were in the office. People are utilizing their commute time and spending that more on doing work. And they're okay putting in an extra 45 minutes because they actually save two hours out of their day not commuting all the time. And they have a little more flexibility to have lunch with their family. They can do a little work in the evening because they can take an afternoon off and take the kids to the park or something like that. So I think that flexibility has been huge. Now, the downside of that is there's going to be a lot of collaboration impacts. So how do you actually get the team to maintain its culture? How do you get the flow of information to move around? Because you don't have these 
natural events where people bump into each other in the hallway or they're sharing lunch in a break room and they get into sort of a side conversation and get some development of collaboration. So I think that that will be the trick that people now need to reform. It really is nothing to do about the productivity. That has really proven, again, like that visibility does not equal productivity. As far as what's going to come back, I don't know about you, but the conferences, I attend two or three conferences every year in the channel and they're excellent. You know, I don't love the travel, you know, the being on the planes and too salty of food and too many drinks probably. So it's not great for me in a lot of cases, but I really, really enjoy getting around and, and meeting with people in the channel and chatting with the vendors and seeing what's new and what's out there. And the channel vendors have done a really excellent job to try and transition some of those events to a virtual and online medium, but it's still lacking in something. Despite best efforts, I think this is a huge opportunity for someone in the industry to figure out how to make virtual events as great as physical, but you know, maybe it's a fool's errand. It's just something that's not possible. So I personally look forward to the bounce back when we're able to meet in person again and travel again and be able to have those, those channel events and be able to share a drink or chat with all the people in the industry and, and just do that networking. I think that that's a piece that has been missed. And honestly, the other part is I really look forward to just going out for coffee with friends in, in the city and colleagues around the city, just checking in with people, see how things are going, just uh, breaking some bread and grabbing a coffee. Those simple events of just keeping in touch with people locally, I think will be huge. I can't agree more. I think if you would have asked me this question, I would have said the same two answers. I think work from home has become a new normal. People don't find the necessity to go to office. And this also creates more and more questions on urban cities, like people forced to live in large cities and paying huge rents and traffic and things. People cannot live anywhere. Like they can, they can actually get a farmhouse and live peacefully and work and focus on things which are much more important than being seen in office. I think you're absolutely right. And the second most important thing is uh, me, me being a marketer, I think events, people are waiting to come back, right? It's that, that one weekend where we get to, and you see the places where the events are hosted. It's Vegas or Orlando, right? Where you can take your family or you can go yourself and go meet people yep. and like, it's more not just about the event, what you learn and network. It's about the place and the break, which also is most important. That's why the events happen there. I can't agree yeah. more with you on that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So this is the new normal, right? So when distributed workforce, working from home, remote works, these are the terms which I've been hearing. And as you said, everybody are looking forward to how this is going to change in the way we operate as a business, right? So every IT company are trying to get things in place for a better VPN connection or security to the infrastructure to provide even when you're working from home. But there are new challenges which are coming in, which I think as an MSP, we should be wary about on how handling it, handling this. What do you think will happen and how this will impact MSPs? Yeah, I think probably one of the biggest things that we're starting to see a lot of is the influence of sort of non-standard corporate assets not being sort of what's being attached to the network. So, you know, depends on the strategy of what companies have implemented and how the MSPs are helping their clients with this. Some organizations are saying like, absolutely not. You can't use your home computer to connect to our corporate network. You know, maybe they have an SSL VPN that they can kind of get a device attached safely. Hopefully, you know, they have 
a remote desktop that they can attach to. So it doesn't matter where you're connecting for, from and what you're connecting from. And then there are other organizations that are maybe experimenting with what we may see as, as sort of the future of networking, which is zero trust networks, where it really doesn't matter what device you attach from. It's more about who you are, what data you're attaching to and how you attach to it. So I think this undefined network where everything is sort of more software defined by asset, by data, I think that that will be really interesting. And I think it'll be also interesting just to see maybe the rise of, of more advanced remote desktop technologies or virtual desktop technologies. You know, I've been in the industry a long, long time, and I can remember you know, the early 2000s when we were talking to larger corporate enterprise environments and, and selling them on the advantages of VDI. And all along, that has been a great story. Originally, it was that the necessary infrastructure to get that stood up was so expensive that people just really couldn't buy into the idea without seeing sort of the, the tangible benefit. But now those costs are so much lower because of shared infrastructure and cloud-based services. The cost for VDI and RDS has never been lower. So I think that those will be probably the winners is some type of virtual desktop, whether that be terminal server or virtual desktop directly. And that zero trust software defined network, I think we'll, we'll start to see a huge rise in because again, you don't necessarily need a large corporate environment or, or an office that you connect to anymore. So everything is in the cloud. You don't necessarily need this large perimeter. You just need all the devices to be able to safely talk to each other. So the state of the network and how people attach to, to the rest of the network, I think is going to be very different in the future. So do you think this is an opportunity for MSPs where they can actually provide new services, can be an extended help for the IT companies or IT teams where MSPs can use this as an opportunity to expand their business? Without question, yes, because so many of the traditional infrastructure just won't be applicable anymore. You know, I had an interesting conversation with a client this week where they're saying, you know, is it necessary to have firewalls at this office that only has one person? They don't do any transact financial transactions there. It's effectively like a home office. Do they need a corporate firewall if, or if they just attach by RDS? Like how safe is that environment? So a lot of people are now starting to question what the architecture of their corporate infrastructure could and should look like. So as we go through these refresh cycles, way up from the enterprise level, which you know they were buying hyperscale infrastructure with SANS and really advanced network fabric, is that necessary? Or are they just going to ditch the on-prem hardware and adopt a full cloud infrastructure? Like that will probably start to happen over the next five to 10 years, certainly maybe even two to three years. And then all the way down to the smaller business environments where you know, they don't need an on-prem server anymore. They have Azure AD, everything is SSO enabled, and most of the apps run either in a browser or from that remote desktop again. So I think it's a bit of a sea change around what the corporate infrastructure looks like in the future. And there's a huge opportunity for consulting, navigating, architecting, and maintaining that environment. And MSPs will be central to that because I see a lot of them sort of worried about, well, what does that mean for us? Like, if I don't have a bunch of assets and devices to look after, you know, how can I properly get paid for supporting this client? And I think that that's sort of the wrong way to look at it is the cloud sounds easier, but it's actually a hell of a lot harder than people think about it. Because again, how do you attach these things in a safe manner? And who maintains them? It's not like you can just spin up some cloud infrastructure and say, hey, we're done. You know, this will run by itself for the next two years and it doesn't require any care and feeding. 
Like, sure, that'd be nice. It's just not practical, though. So I think there's a huge opportunity for helping organizations understand their migration to the cloud, but also how they operate there, right? Like I've been watching Microsoft Teams very closely, and I'm pretty confident that Teams will become the collaboration hub of the future that SharePoint always was supposed to be, right? You know, it's, I don't think it's a mistake that the back end of Teams is largely built on SharePoint. It's just a, a more usable interface for the user now. And SharePoint was supposed to be that repository and collaboration space for all organizations, but it was clunky. It didn't work well. The UX was not fantastic for untrained users and it required a lot of customization. Whereas Teams, you can kind of jump in there, get some basic training, start sharing docs, working on docs live collaboratively. And I think there's a great opportunity to help organizations understand how they collaborate in sort of this new world with the new software because they're not sitting in the office and able to print out a document, review it together. You know, now they're forced to do these things digitally. And that, that again, will be that sea change of helping companies navigate through that. Brilliant, right? See, I think that's exactly your point. I, the most important thing which I took from your messages, right? The MSPs have seen different kind of services in their edges, right? From providing Rackspace service spaces to dot-com bubbles to providing, uh, managing the laptop service, moving to cloud. They've seen different kind of evolution in how MSPs can actually offer services. And now I think we are in a stage where we have to change the game in providing newer services. But MSP, if they change the game, I think there is a huge opportunity out there. Everybody, the whole world is going through this change and we are not alone in here, right? So as you said, as you rightly said, it's definitely MSP and IT has to work together as well, but how we are going to expand our business makes a big difference. Yeah, to add to that, like one of the things that I, I sort of relate this to is this this change in this environment is back in the day when Office 365 was was sort of first released, and back in the day it was called BPOS, the Business Productivity Productivity Office Suite. And I remember a lot of the traditional VARs. This was before really MSP was a big thing. So most most of the IT companies were in a VAR model or a co-managed IT model, and they were up in arms about this. They're saying, you know. The margins are too low. Microsoft is eroding our ability to make money. You know, we make good money on maintaining and upgrading exchange environments. And my point was, is like, look, you can't fight this. This is coming. If Microsoft has dictated this is the way that you will consume Office in the future, don't fight it because you're not going to win, right? And I think what people missed is that the complexity and the risk of owning that physical infrastructure is a huge part of why it takes so much effort to support it. And you don't want to get paid for the time you support things. You want to get paid for the fact that it actually runs well. So switching from this reactive model to the proactive model has always been the goal of most IT organizations. And that became what happened with using Office 365. I can't imagine that you would talk to someone outside of a very, very large enterprise environment that actually functionally requires exchange on-prem for some reason. In a typical SMB mid-sized organization, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone that would say, I would prefer that you have an exchange server versus Office 365. Yeah, you don't necessarily make as much money, but it's incredibly easy to look after. And somebody else is responsible for the back end, the plumbing, and making sure that things work. So it's work off your back 
that you can be retargeted and refocused on something else that produces more value for the organization rather than, you know, every three years you get this $30,000 project to upgrade and redeploy exchange on a new infrastructure. That's the old model and, and it won't come back. And now the, the similar thing is you don't get paid to look after and care for that on-prem infrastructure. And that doesn't mean that you can't provide value to the organization. It's just now that those things live somewhere else and you're not necessarily responsible for the physical infrastructure that keeps it working. And to me, that's a good thing because it lowers the risk of support. Perfect. Right. So let me ask you a question in a different way, right? The pandemic came and I think we are used to it now. What were the top three challenges do you think the MSP business have faced? And in your opinion, what would be the what are the ways they actually overcame it? Like, is there anything like they changed that challenge into an opportunity? Have you seen in your consulting experience like the three challenges which MSP business saw and how did they change it into an opportunity or a business opportunity? I think the first one was that most MSPs, most IT providers saw a 30 to 80% increase in ticket loads within weeks of the work from home and basically the lockdown starting where people were sent home. And some were very well prepared for this. And some even saw opportunity based on the fact that the current providers of certain companies were not prepared for this. And there was a lot of horse trading where I saw organization, one client that I was dealing with picked up seven clients in a three-week period, largely based on the fact that the current providers of those organizations were not well prepared for the shift to work from home. And that became very visible to the client. So I I think that certain companies that were well prepared for this and well-tooled for enabling work from home did really, really well. And most of those organizations really stepped up to the plate to provide great service through what was sort of a tsunami event of so much work getting done, uh, such a high increase in, in support requests to enable this work from home for most of the users. And as they, they sort of worked through that and provided a decent level of support and rose to the challenge of this increase of workload, a lot of the clients were incredibly appreciative. And that, I think, was not necessarily expected. A lot of people were very concerned about, oh my, there is so much work to do. This is really getting out of control. I hope the clients understand sort of what we're going through. And that largely was the case. I think people were incredibly appreciative of being able to, the the IT company being able to enable their work from home approach. So I think that that was a, a huge opportunity that was met by most of the organizations that I saw. Another one has just been around security. And security's kind of been a, a very salient topic for you know two to three years. But you know, every year that the, the message and the need for that discussion amplifies more and more. It's almost like this exponential event around security. But again, like you, you're pushing people to work from home. They're now on sort of non-corporate assets. They're dealing with sensitive information, not on a corporate network. So there was a lot of challenges around that. And we saw a huge push for phishing events based on things like government programs for additional dollars and employment programs and things like that. So there was a huge rise in phishing. So, you know, the IT providers and even internal IT for that matter had to really meet the challenge of either protecting the users and certainly educating them around what you can and and can't click. Because what we've seen is 80 to 90% of security attacks are now vectored by phishing, 
right? So phishing has become really, really important. And there's great ways to sort of mitigate this. One is enabling two-factor authentication on absolutely everything, certainly within your own environment. But if you can get the clients to buy into this as well, that that's super important and creates a great layer of protection. So I think the enablement, the training of the users and the additional opportunities around how you actually protect the corporate environment plus the users while they work from home have been a couple of great opportunities that a lot of MSPs have seen the opportunity from and have risen to the occasion and being able to capitalize on those opportunities as well. Nice. That's brilliant. Scott, I have something special for you today. We have planned a rapid fire round. So I'm going to ask more questions about you so that it will be really good for the audience to know more and I'm going to make it a little bit more about you because you've been in this industry for almost a decade now. And so here it is. Are you ready? Yep. True. All right. So what is your biggest MSP pet peeve? There's a few. I think the one that I see really consistently is owners and businesses trying to solve people problems with technology. And this comes in many forms. They, they will, you know, they set up workflows to get people to do certain things and they, they trigger events and say, you know, this hasn't been done and I need you to do this. And the techs are smart. They'll create workflow rules that just start deleting these nag emails. So yeah. I think anyone trying to use those particular technologies to enforce what, frankly, people should be doing as a part of their work anyway is not going to work, right? Yeah. And then there's other situations where they try to buy some tool to correct a behavior or make someone do something that they were resistant to begin with. And you know, it's not going to work. Like you can't solve people problems with technology. So that's a big uh, one for me. Absolutely. You know, I've been a consultant myself back in the day and one thing which I've always found is we can fix everything. So unless there is a people problem, no matter process, tool, you can throw money at the problem, but it's not going to solve. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. yeah. Right. All right. So, what is the one event which you are looking forward to attend post the pandemic? Maybe twenty twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, the simple answer is just, like I said, coffees locally. I'm not necessarily an extroverted person. I'm much more of an introvert, but you know, it, it certainly hurts after a while where you know, just not having any social time. As a light social person to begin with, when I don't have any opportunities for social time, it actually does start to pinch. So the just some industry events locally and just meeting up for some of the, my industry contacts locally for, for coffee and for some lunch, that's honestly the biggest one that I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Okay, got it. So, okay, you watch superhero movies, comics, and things like that? All right, DC or Marvel? This is a tough one for me. Unfortunately, I'm going to sit on the fence. I would say largely it's Marvel. You know, the Marvel universe, the cinematic universe is, is far better than the DC. But my favorite superhero is Batman. So I'll take Batman from the DC, DC. but everything else as far as the constructed Marvel universe is, is certainly better. Yep. Absolutely. All right, if you went to ask the MSP owners to pick up one habit which they should do more like what would be that one habit i would say focused time what i hear a lot from people is i'm too busy right and i have this sort of running joke i say is hashtag ban busy right busy is a crutch it's an excuse and everybody's busy and i think it's really easy to fall into this trap of well i didn't get that done because i'm busy like no you're always busy so it's a matter of prioritization. Okay. And so what I suggest to people is that just carve out an hour or two in your week 
to yeah. really and keep that as a strong meeting with yourself. Don't skip the meeting. Don't feel like you can smooth it over with something else or replace it, but really own that time as time that you have with yourself to focus on the strategic priorities that you need to focus on week to week. Because the biggest thing with time is that you can't find time to do anything. It's always busy, especially in IT. There's a million demands every day. You have to make time. You can't find it. So making that time in your calendar to squirrel away and, and focus on yourself and what you need to accomplish that week, I think is a huge bonus once people start to really own that. That's a brilliant answer. <laughs> Love it. So what would be your one favorite gadget which you have and which you would want to have? Independent of my phone, you know, like as a, I don't know if this is necessarily an IT person thing anymore, but you know, everyone can't be without your phone. It's almost too much an easier answer though. I guess the other one I would say would probably be my aura ring. So I'm a bit of a biohacker. I have been for you know over a decade and just my love of data and optimization extends beyond the work world into my personal life. So I love tracking my heart rate variability, my resting heart rate. My sleep, I track that a lot and just track uh, you know, what I put into my body, how I perform and how I can optimize my performance. So the Aura Ring's great for that, just on creating some of those data points for me to objectively judge what I feel is subjectively happening to me on a day-to-day and a week-to-week basis. That's been huge for me. All right. So this is the question which we also ask every guest who attends SuperPod. And so if you were to refer another MSP personality to be the host of SuperPod, who would you recommend? The host of? Hmm. Who we should uh, host as the next speaker. One of the industry personalities I absolutely love is Jay McBain with mm-hmm. Forrester. He's awesome. He's got such a breadth of knowledge and he's very, very well spoken. So I always yeah. really enjoy listening to him because like as souped as I am in the industry, it's always great to hear kind of Jay's insights on what he sees in the industry, both from a macro level as well as a yeah. micro level. So just his, his breadth and scope of understanding of the channel in general, I think is yeah. excellent. And he's, a, he's an excellent speaker. I'm sure I'm going to hear Jay's name multiple times. In my opinion, yeah. I think he is the most connected MSP influencer in the industry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Him and Rob Ray are, are sort of like the industry personalities that, that like everyone seems to be familiar with for good reason as well. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you've been amazing today. Can't believe we came to the end of the podcast. So for all the listeners here, stay tuned for more such fantastic speakers in the coming weeks. And we are looking forward to having you again in the second season of Superpod. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you very much.